Oh, I'm so honored to be here today. I'm so thankful to my bishop and pastor, Bishop Charles E. Blake. I am very thankful for he and Lady May. Uh, me and my family have been around here in West Angeles now for 37 years. So what an indeed honor to be here today. It's indeed a blessing. You know, it's an opportunity to speak the word of God to you today. And I pray that something would be said that would really touch your heart and your mind. Father, thank you for this day. We seek your blessings right now. May the hearers hear your words and not my words. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. <clears throat> Let's read some passages from the book of Jonah. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, that is, the city of Nineveh in the ancient kingdom of Assyria. And he did not do it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. Listen to that man. Wow. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? But when the dawn came upon the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He said, it is. So I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. In the message translation, Jonah said, plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. Those Bible readings were from Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, chapter 4, verses 1, 3, and 4, and then <clears throat> chapter 4, 7 through 9 of the New International Version. So what do we have here? Jonah was mad at God twice in two days, once for not destroying the city of Nineveh and then for destroying the shade plant. So my message title today is, what do you do when you're mad at God? <clears throat> what, was, what did you say? What do you do when you're mad at God? <clears throat> This is a different kind of sermon with three subtopics, or you could call it three sermon questions in one message. All these questions start with, what do you do when? And then the second half of the question moves to something you expected from God. So these three mini sermons are what we'll be dealing with today. So the way we would deal with this is that first I'll state the three, what do you do when, dot, dot, dot. Questions for the Christian life, issues or problems coming before the disciples of Christ and then we'll offer some answers from the word of God for you to carefully, adequately, but maybe not so easily deal with the problem. So question number one, what do you do when you're mad at God? Jonah in our opening passages, I'm laughing because this answer is so silly. Uh, he pouted and yelled, I want to die. Kill me, Lord. Cain, in Genesis 4, verses 5 and 6, in the New International Version, says, But on Cain and his offering, he, that is God, did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face downcast. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? But check this out. Cain was so angry that he went out, hunted down his brother Abel and murdered him. That's crazy anger at God. Crazy anger. Look, you might be mad at God, but you don't have to lose your mind. <clears throat> so be careful so that you don't. <laughs> Some people in these COVID times have been mad at God. Or they've left God because they asked, how could God allow all this death, pain, and suffering? Others have left the faith and have become pretty much atheists, denying the true and living God. <laughs> Listen to this story. One man told me in a counseling session, God is treating me so badly. I've been giving my money to the church and to TV ministries and nothing is happening. <clears throat> I'm looking for a better job. It's not coming. And I, I'm just making it financially. He said, I was so upset at God. I just cursed God out. <laughs> wow. What do you do when you're mad at God? By the way, I stepped back a little bit because I didn't want the lightning bolt to hit me. So question number two, what do you do when God disappoints you? Now, this is a little different. In this case, you're not so much mad at God as you're puzzled. You're very disappointed with the outcome of his dealings. In about 605 BC, Habakkuk's complaint and wrestling with arguing with God about the decision to use the horrible Babylonians to punish his people Israel for their sins. He and the nation of Judah are struggling to comprehend the ways of God in Habakkuk chapter 1, 2, 3, and 13. Listen to this. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you violence. That is, violence is coming against me. And you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Oh, we know about that, don't we? We've seen the injustice on the television. We see it all the time. So Habakkuk asked the same question. Then he said, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Ever felt like that? I know it's a great disappointment for you. You asked in faith, you believe with all your heart, but still God disappointed you. So now, question number three. What do you do when you feel forsaken by God? Judges chapter six, verse 13, Gideon said, look, oh Lord, we've been around here. You talked about all your miracles, what the fathers did. You talked about how they brought us out of Egypt, but now Lord, but now, you have forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Psalm 22, verse 1, David says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? This is known as a messianic psalm of David. This is an anguished prayer of David as a godly sufferer and victimized by vicious and prolonged attacks of enemies. Yet the Lord has not delivered him. Nor the psalm fitted quite so aptly the circumstances of our Lord Jesus Christ at his crucifixion. Hence, on the cross, he quoted it. <clears throat> Jesus cried out in pain and anguish in Matthew 27, 
verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So now, let's move on to some answers. Question number one. What do you do when you're mad at God? <laughs> wow. So what really do you do when you're mad at God? Well, the answer is not to want to die, not to pout or leave God, and definitely not to curse God out. <clears throat> because when you're mad at God, it's because you didn't get your way and the action of God you feel was not right, even mean or wrong or even unrighteous. But consider this sometimes hard truth regarding our God. <clears throat> the problem is you don't think like a believer in the kingship of the Bible, the kingship of the God of the Bible, but like a believer in the American God of one task. You know, the American God has one task. That is being the big genie in the sky who must respond to our every wish and desire, whether it's good for us or not, whether it is in his plan or not. You know, we asked the big genie, give me breakfast in bed. No, our God is the true and living God. He's sovereign and eternal, not held by time, not held by the laws of science, nor the demands or views of humankind. We, in our modern view of Christianity's God, don't teach much on the sovereignty of God. That is the sovereign, absolute reign of God. The sovereignty of God means God is the being. He's the creator of the universe. He is a royal, come on now, royal rank and position. He is royalty, the supreme and independent power and authority over all things. Basically, he's in charge. <laughs> Joshua 3.13 mentions the Lord, the sovereign of all the earth. Hezekiah in his prayer talked about God. He defined God as the sovereign God. As we go to the other scriptures, we see that God is referred to in Job 23, 13 through 14. Listen to this part. But he is singular and sovereign. Who can argue with him? He does what he wants when he wants to. He'll complete in detail what he's decided about me and whatever else he determines to do. In Psalm 8, verse 1, begins, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 102, verse 12, yet you, God, are sovereign still, always and ever sovereign. You know, our African-American saying, is rather common and maybe even a bit trite, but it's true. He's God all by himself and don't need nobody else. <clears throat> so what do you do when you're mad at God? First, know that it's all right to tell him you're mad and upset. Then accept and believe. Recognize. Don't just react. So one, recognize God for who he is, the sovereign God of love. Number two, recognize he does love you personally and passionately. So three, accept and believe he and his plan are working every bad thing, bad thing in your mind, <clears throat> in your view, into his purposeful plan 
and his good pleasure. For, accept, and believe. He carefully and lovingly caresses you. Come on now. God is caressing you in the palm of his mighty and strong hand. Jonah, in his anger, should have done what he did in the belly of the fish, recorded in chapter 2, when he attempted to run from God. Verse 1, Jonah prayed and called to the Lord, Yahweh, his God. Verse 7, Jonah remembered God, but Jonah said before being in the swall in, swallowed in the huge fish, he thought only of himself, but after a while he thought about others, about God. Verse 9, Jonah sang a song of thanksgiving. Even in his difficult place, however, don't give in to your anger or rage. Don't let it stay and get worse. It's unhealthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Recall Cain's anger and deadly reaction. <clears throat> Release the emotions and literally cry out to God if you, have, if you have to. That's what the prophets and people of God did in their difficult times. God ain't scared of noise. I sure hope not because we make a lot of noise, but we worship him. He'll comfort your fears and tears. He puts those tears, listen to this, of sadness in his special remembrance book. Some of you have forgotten about this scripture in Psalm 56, verse 8. The New International Version says, Record my ministry. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? The New Living Translation says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. The contemporary English version says, You have kept record of my days of wandering. You have stored my tears in your bottle and counted each of them. Did you hear that? And counted each of the tears. The Good News version says, You know how troubled I am. You have kept a record of my tears. Aren't they listed in your book? You know, your tears from the last 10 years, your tears that have been in your life so long, the tears that you cried last year, the, the tears that you cried this year, the tears that you cried last week, the tears you may have cried last night, God records them and he knows what you're going through. So now let's give an answer to question number two. What do you do when God disappoints you? That's a good question. What do you do when he disappoints you? Now, in this case, you're not so much mad at God as you're kind of puzzled and disappointed with his outcome of the ways he has dealt with you. <clears throat> Here are some scriptures that we'll take a look at. Remember, Habakkuk had this complaint, this decision about the horrible use of the Babylonians and how Judah was struggling to comprehend these ways. Let's listen to what he has to say. Here's the answer from the word of God. First of all, Habakkuk, having received the answer, he responds in a beautiful confession of faith. In Habakkuk 2.4, he says, What? The just shall live by faith. Mm. You know it. You've heard it in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we live by faith, not by sight. Then second, we want you to keep silent and listen. Uh-oh. Keep silent and listen to God. Look, this is a spiritual discipline we all need to develop. This idea of listening, shutting your mouth, and listening to God. We want to yak all the time to God. Yak, yak, yak. No. Listen to God. Habakkuk 2.20 says, 
but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth, even you, keep silence before him. So keep quiet and let God speak to you. Listen. Now, after you've listened for a while, then pray. Talk and commune with God. Habakkuk prayed in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Then, here's a good one now. Number four. Then sing unto the Lord. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. We're going to read this slowly so you can get this. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. This is from the NIV. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, catch this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God my salvation. Now, if you really looked at the book of Habakkuk, it's written in what we call a Hebrew poetic stanzas and verses. You will notice this in the NIV translation. Thus, in essence, it's a Hebrew song. The whole book is a song, and particularly chapter 3 near the end. This is the reason for the reference in the final sentence of the book in chapter 3. It says, for the director of music on my stringed instruments in the NIV, or as interpreted with the message translation, for congregational use with a full orchestra. So what am I saying? The prophet said, I'm going to break out in song and rejoice and be joyful. I always like to say joy full, <laughs> filled with to the brink, even overflowing with joy. So the prophet sings and rejoices when God has disappointed him. Calamity was indeed near. But yet he rejoices in the God of his salvation. He rejoices in the God of his salvation. And you can too. Number five, remember, remember the wonderful things he has already done for you in the past. His past deliverances. Remember because you have forgotten all the good and fantastic things he has done for you and what he's doing right now. Now, I want you to listen to this. One disappointment does not define the nature of your relationship to God or his love. I'm going to repeat this. One disappointment does not define the nature of your relationship to God or his love for you. Isn't that beautiful? Please remember that. Psalm 126, verse 3 says, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Psalm 143, verse 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. You know, the Pentecostal song says, look where he brought me from. Oh, my, look where he brought me from. Ah, that's it. Now, let's get with answer to question number three. What do you do when you feel forsaken? By God. Yeah, this, this, this is a hard one. Exactly what do you do when you feel forsaken by God? Let's get some encouragement for the scriptures. Psalm 
37, verses 27 through 28. said, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. Psalm 9, verse 10. And they know thy name, will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Psalm 37, 25. You've heard it before, but listen to it now. I have been young. And now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Hebrews 13, 5. <laughs> For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, the song says, no, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. That's what he's promised to us. When Jesus cried out in pain and anguish in Matthew 27, verse 46, the King James Version, it was about the ninth hour. Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatheni. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Indeed, Jesus, our Savior, cried out. But just three days later, the full plan of God, that is the full plan of God was revealed and the forsaken one became the conqueror. Through his resurrection, he overcame death, but not just for himself, but for us all. And the father has highly exalted him. Our Savior has told us in John 14, 18. Now this is good. I will not leave you comfortless I will come to you. Oh, that sounds nice, comfortless. But you know, this New Testament Greek word in the text, comfortless, is from a word called, a word pronounced, orphanos. Orphanos, literally orphan, bereaved of father and mother. In other contexts, it means to be alone or without a friend. One Greek word authority sees its similarity between the fish and orphos, which lives in solitary independent, isolated life. Orphanus is the plural. Orphans. You know, as I think on this, maybe someone here, maybe your grandchildren and maybe your children have not been reaching out like you'd like them to. Maybe your friends have not been reaching out. You know, and there was a recent study that was done of elderly patients who had surgery but were left alone. They had surgery and but they were left alone. Afterwards, they died at a higher rate. They died at a higher rate. You know what? <clears throat> that tells me that we need to call. We need to call on our elderly. We need to call on people who near us, who need us. Let's not just leave them there and leave them alone. Pick up that phone right after this message. Call that one that you had not called. Call that grandmother. Call that mother. Call that person who had you heard been in the hospital and give them a call. It will lift them up and prolong their life. The Tree of Life version translates the verse this way. I will not abandon you as orphans. <laughs> I will come to you. Oh, you know that song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Look to Jesus as your friend. He is our friend. <clears throat> then, you know what? You'll find yourself beginning to feel a praise rise up within. <laughs> 
Oh, then you'll hear David say, as he said in Psalm 18, verse 3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Or as we sing it, I will call upon the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. Oh, and you know, after you start doing that, then you'll start to yell out Psalm 34, 1 through 3. You know it. Come on, here it is. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. <clears throat> you know, you can't feel forsaken when you're in praise mode. Are you in praise mode right now? And you know, it really doesn't take much to get me going. How about you? I just think, thank, and testify. I just think, thank, and testify. You know what? That song is a fast song. We love to hear it. It goes, when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I've got a testimony. Let me tell you, I've been in the hospital. I have a testimony. I had a little red spot on my leg, on my left leg, and it kind of hurt for a little while, and I didn't think much about it. But then it started to hurt even more, and I'm even limping a little bit. And I thought, what's this red spot? And the wife said, maybe you need to go check it out. So, so I went down to urgent care. You know, I was going to go down there and have them give me a shot or take a pill, something like that. And so I kept, so I went down, and I figured, let me give me this shot. So they said, oh, no, you've got to go to emergency. I said, well, what, what, what's, what's the deal? Yeah, you've, you've got to go, I've got to go to emergency? What? Why am I going to emergency? <clears throat> so went to emergency. They took me in, put me on a bed. And then inside emergency, they said, I'm sorry, but you know what? <clears throat> We're going to have to admit you in the hospital. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Admit me to the hospital. And they said, we've got to admit you today, right now. So my wife's wondering, what happened? <clears throat> and I'm saying, I don't know. <clears throat> After I was taken in, they examined, they found out I had a very bad disease in my leg. I mean, the disease was so bad that if it had gone even much longer, I would have lost my left leg. Look at God as he began to work with the nurses around and people and all that. But I was attentive to that. So I know about being in the hospital. Been there a few times. Maybe you've been there a few times yourself. So you've got a testimony. I've got a testimony all of us have a testimony, thank God. So, God, you're good. When I'm mad, you're good. When I'm disappointed, you're good. When I'm feeling forsaken, you're good. You know, you're probably saying at this time, you've said so many things. Let me give you a little simple conclusion. How can I summarize this for you? I will. I'll suggest you return back sometime and meditate on this message every now and then, <clears throat> that you meditate every now and then for a refresher course. <clears throat> what do you do when you're mad at God? What do you do when God disappoints you? What do you do when you feel forsaken? It all boils down to this. <clears throat> what do you do? You think, you thank, and you testify of his goodness. You remember he has never nor will he ever forsake you, and you remember his past deliverances. 
And finally, finally, last but not least, sing and break out in a praise mode. Every chance you get. Every chance. Oh, man, I wish I had a backup right now, man. If I could get an E-flat, man, I'd be ready right now. Oh, that song says praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him when the sun goes down. So what do you do when? You get in praise mode. You get in praise mode. Yes. I've done it. You've done it. But what do you do when? You just praise and worship God. So... Maybe this message has touched you. As a believer, now you know what to do when. And now you're determined to do it. Lord, touch each of your children now. Bless them to be able to fulfill your will and to understand what to do when, that they can depend upon you in Jesus' name. And now I'd like to speak to someone now who maybe does not know Jesus Christ. You don't know what to do when. You're wondering where to turn. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. He was raised again on the third day. He is the living Lord and he's there to take you in. He's there for you to come to him, accept him, believe in his work on the cross. Believe that he can do and save you. Father, I pray for this person who needs to believe in you. I pray that they see you clearly now, that the Holy Spirit would open up their eyes open up their minds to be a blessing. I thank you for doing it right now in Jesus' name. And if you just pray, Lord, just bless me. Lord, help me to come to you. He will come to you and you can know him. And then you can call us. And we'd love to take you further here at West Angeles Church. Thank you so much. God bless you. And I love you.